Still be friends, a podcast that tests the limits of the friendship between two people who mistake movie taste for personal morality. Each episode is devoted to one piece of pop culture that we can't agree on. As a way of preserving the friendship and reaching common ground, we revisit the work, hear each other out, and decide whether our friendship truly can survive. I'm Nate Goss. And I'm Ryan Ebling. On March 28th, Darren Aronofsky's newest movie, Noah, hits theaters. And while there aren't any Aronofsky movies that we disagree on, I think we're both big fans of all of his movies, um, the same can't be said for epic movies set in ancient times starring Russell Crowe, of which there are surprisingly many. True. Um, in this episode, we're going to discuss the 2000 movie Gladiator, a movie that Nate regards as one of the great epic movies but which has historically been one of the movies I hate the most, going so far as to raise my voice at someone I just met who called it the greatest movie of all time. Gladiator, in case you've forgotten, tells the story of stalwart Roman general Maximus, a.k.a. the Spaniard, played by Russell Crowe, who was named a successor to the Roman Empire by the then-emperor Marcus Aurelius, instead of his own son, Commodus. After murdering the emperor, the jealous Commodus orders the execution of Maximus and his family, Maximus escapes death, but not in time to save his family. Maximus then becomes a gladiator, eventually fighting his way to the capital, seeking revenge and justice for Rome. And Gladiator was a tremendous hit. A lot of people saw it. It grossed over $457 million worldwide. It garnered fairly positive reviews, and it currently holds a rating of 64 on Metacritic. Uh, it also won several major awards, including the Oscar, the Golden Globe, the BAFTA, among others, for Best Film. It won a Best Actor Oscar for Russell Crowe, in addition to winning several other awards for its technical achievements. So with all this acclaim, will I be able to convince Ryan that he was, in fact, not, not entertained? Find out in this episode of Can We Still Be Friends? clip from gladiator the <laughs> historical epic gladiator good enough for jay-z i guess yeah. so you know before we jump right into this let's just uh really quickly say that we're going to be throwing spoilers left and right here mm -hmm. so uh we're not going to watch our words we're not going to watch about spoiling all sorts of plot points so if you have not seen gladiator if you're one of the few that haven't i really recommend heading over to your library grabbing the dvd the blu-ray and grabbing it and watching it so that you at least have some idea of what we're talking about exactly um so before we get into our discussion of uh, the experience of rewatching Gladiator, we are going to share with each other what we remember about the movie. Uh, before we rewatch it, what did we like? What did we not like? So Nate, why don't you go ahead and tell me what you remember liking about Gladiator? Okay. So Gladiator came out in 2000 and I was a, I believe I was a junior in mm -hmm. high school. I saw it in the theater. I don't know if you saw it in the theater or not. I did not. I you did not see it in the theater. No. 
Okay, interesting. I wonder if this could have something to do with that. Uh, we'll, we'll explore it in a bit. I mean, it could, but... Anyways, I believe I was 17, meaning this was probably one of the first rated R movies I got to see in the theater. So mm -hmm. I was probably pretty jazzed about that <laughs> alone. Um, but I, I just remember I had also uh, been a huge fan of Braveheart. Uh, I just watched that a few, maybe a year or two before that. And it was one of my favorite movies. So I have always been a huge fan of the, what they call the sword and sandal epics, the mm -hmm. big huge you know the bigger the better uh you know the longer the better when it comes to these epic films i can't get enough of them and i'm still that way i still can't get enough of these so um gladiator to me was something i was very excited about hopped in the theater watched it and was thoroughly entertained um being in high school i think that's about as far as you tend to take film when you see it sure. is you you decide whether you like it or you not or, or you didn't um and that's about you don't think about it a whole lot more than that but I think um, after high school, you have to take it a little bit further and start uh, thinking about, well, you know, I guess you don't have to, but it's for, for our purposes and why we get the most what we can out of our cinema experiences mm -hmm. is that we, we, go, we try to take it a little bit further than whether we liked it or not. Right. And, and, and so um, I have rewatched it quite a bit in the past. I still think it does hold up. Um, and, and I have reasons that we'll get into later, I'm sure, but I do just want to say when I first watched this movie, that was about what it came down to was that I just really had a good time in the theater. All right. Well, yeah, I saw it about, I mean, we're not so far apart in age, you and I, uh, I saw it. I don't think I saw it in theaters, but it was one of the first rated R movies I had seen. I was probably 16, 15 or 16 when it came out. And a friend of mine who is just a little bit older than me thought uh he told me that he sees gladiator as the sort of titanic for people when i was in high school what titanic okay. was for when he was in high school gladiator was for us in high school that it was that movie that everybody saw everybody loved um and i think that might be true to a point so i saw it with all that hype surrounding it I, okay i was with a lot of people who had seen it in the theater um and I was really excited to see it. And I got swept up in that excitement. I was pumped for all the fights and that one tiger and those masks and the swords. <laughs> the tigers and the sandals were pretty cool. Yeah. And the badassery yeah. of all of it. Yeah, you're only reinforcing my point here, by yeah. the way. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I was excited for that before I saw it. Then I saw it and I thought it was fine. And did you think it was fine? I thought it was okay. Well, okay. I thought it was okay. Like I thought I had missed something because everybody thought it was the greatest thing they'd seen and I thought it was just fine I thought I had missed something so I watched it again and I realized I didn't miss anything there wasn't anything to miss it's a very simple movie it's very straightforward the good guys are great guys uh -huh. the bad guys are lecherous and soulless and pure evil the yes. fights just like real life fights are bloody this is, this is just like real yeah, life Come right <laughs> yeah nobody nobody is uh, living in a gray area in real life the fights were bloody and had that distracting slow shutter speed that was popular in Saving Private Ryan um, it was a pretty movie. Like there was some good scenery. I remember, uh, but beyond that, I thought it was, uh, I, I'm sure I wouldn't have used these words as a high schooler, but I thought it was <laughs> substanceless and I found all the unequivocal praise pretty irritating. Okay. So, which brings me to my next question because it I think it's me to my next point. Okay. <laughs> so you're going to keep going. All right. Let well, me yeah, because then this movie that I was like, okay with goes on to win best picture in a year that I saw Memento in theaters, in a year that Almost Famous, Traffic, Reckoning for a Dream, yeah. among others, came out. 
Gladiator was picked as the best movie. In a movie that had Tom Hanks and Castaway, Javier Bardem in Before Night Falls, Ed Harris and Pollock, Mark Ruffalo and You Can Count on Me, Russell Crowe wins the Best Actor Oscar. And I found that unconscionable. I continue to find it unconscionable. Um, so this movie, to me, was nothing special. It was a popcorn flick posing as something high-minded, but it was ultimately empty. And so the fact that so many people, and the reason I'm going on for so long about this is because this, Take all, your time. Take your this time. <laughs> all is part of what I remember disliking so much about the movie. The fact that so many people, especially people who are supposed to know better, uh, were fooled by this movie was a pretty significant turning point in my development as a film goer. Add to that the fact that you know, Ellen Burstyn was overlooked for Requiem for a Dream. I lost all my faith in popular opinion, and <laughs> an elitist was born. Um, this but is the I, real origin story. Right, here. absolutely. Um, it's, it's sort of like a supervillain uh, origin story. <laughs> now, I, I'm less of an elitist, I'm more open-minded now, I, but I see this as an important shift in my thinking. It led me to think for myself, and not to blindly believe hyper-flash, but I got to say, the loss of one's innocence, no matter how inevitable, is not something that you cherish. And what I'm saying is that the reason I dislike Gladiator is because Gladiator killed my wife and child, burned my house, and took everything I oh, hold dear. Oh, and that oh, I don't forgive. Oh. Okay. All right. All right. Wow. All right. So that's all before I watched the movie again. <laughs> okay. Wait, 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 wait. Before we move on, though, we're, we're going to talk about what happened after we rewatched it. Okay. Uh, I want to address this awards thing. Okay. I do. Because do. I knew this was going to come up. No, I know. And it, it's a far stretch. It's a, it's a big jump to go from I thought it was okay. I didn't think it was all cracked up to be. To be basically, you know, we both use Letterboxd right. uh, to star. We know the star system is flawed yeah. in, its, in its nature. <laughs> but you certainly get an idea of when someone has a very impassioned opinion. When... Even though you're saying here you were fine with it, but yet I I don't quite remember what your star rating was. I believe it was half it's star, probably maybe half one star. star. So you're bringing a lot of things. That there's I a think, lot of baggage. I agree. There's a lot of layers to that. I mean, there's a lot of things that you're bringing to this movie that I don't know the movie ever even demanded. Can I? This is the question I throw out. Can I agree with you that Gladiator did not deserve Best Picture, did not deserve Best Actor, and still at the end of the day say that this is still a very good film? You know, and 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 take it for what it is. And I think that uh, we're going to talk oh. a little bit more later about genre and about um, technical aspects. Sure. We'll talk about that. And I think that, given what it was, now let's. This movie was released in May, and uh -huh. this is this is when movies of that type are released. Did this movie ever even demand that you take it as seriously as, say, Traffic or Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon? I and, I, and and I'm. I'm not making a point that we shouldn't look at every film critically mm -hmm. and that we should take certain films and shut off our minds. But I do think we should approach a film at the level that that film desires to be approached and then critique it at that level, I guess. I, I do think that the movie postured itself as something more than just an action epic. Although it didn't specifically ask for comparisons to Spartacus or movies that have been revered as great more than just epic movies. Um, I think it did shoot for that. I think the performances, the actors they chose, mm -hmm. uh, speak to that. I think the and awful you, script that when you, you say that, can you can you elaborate on what you mean by that? By what's, that, what's the sort of elusive that, that that you mean? Yeah, I'm talking about it being high my that the studio chooses the May release. Uh huh. Um, I, that I think the film and the filmmakers. We're looking to have 
um, the Lawrence of Arabia sort of that Ridley Scott and um, everybody involved would not have said that they were making, you know, a cool action movie. I think that they would. You think they were aspiring to something much more than that? I think so. I mean, this, it's kind of a moot point. I think. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that there actually is a lot of depth. Believe it or not, I do think there is a lot of depth to this movie. Mm. And, and I think that this could be a, a, a point where we strongly disagree. Yep. And we'll have to, we'll have to explore that. Okay. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, um, did you ever think that Ridley Scott was making this movie with the idea of this could win me the best picture? I, I have no idea. I, I mean, I know you can't say that with any sort of certainty, but do you get what I'm getting at, at least in the sense that um, I think that there are some movies that from the ground up are aspiring to uh, maybe not awards. I'm not even let's leave awards out of it. Let's talk about um, they're, they're aspiring to be, uh, I guess, to cross that line into trying to sort of yeah. stretch the medium. I do in a think way, that, you know, I do think it was trying to be more than the action movie. I think it was whether it was trying to win awards. I do think it was trying to uh appeal to a broad audience but also appeal to critics and appeal to um cinema goers more than just moviegoers in the script you see evidence of somebody really trying to knock it out of the park uh with hard-hitting lines and speeches and politics and family relation it, issues it, and I, I think and you don't think you don't think that those elements are are throughout epics uh his you know all of the well, epics I mean, all the big historical epics that you see based on a modicum of fact so i, I think <laughs> yeah i mean historical epics do have those i gotta say i'm not a fan of historic epics like you are mm-hmm. i i they they usually um start off uh, low before I even see them, I, I assume not great things about them. But Gladiator, so would you say Gladiator that- was not one of those movies because I was sixteen. I hadn't I hadn't formed this opinion. I I blame partially Gladiator for the formation of that opinion in my mind. Since you know you don't really care that much for historical epics, are you going in there already with a sort of prove it attitude? I guess know? sometimes I am, but I did not do that with Gladiator when I was young. High school, right? Yeah. And it, this is not, it, it didn't, my, my, my opinion didn't change once it won the Oscar. I was baffled when it did win the mm-hmm. Oscar. And can I agree with you on that? I mean, I, 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 I was also, I'm learning, running down the list. Okay, real quick. Best Picture nominees, Gladiator, Chocolat, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Aaron Brockovich, Traffic. Mm-hmm. The only movie out of that list that I maybe would think uh, Gladiator is better than would be maybe Aaron Brockovich. Yeah. I, I can totally agree that any Among one of these the, movie, the movies you know, that weren't nominated that year. Right, and, and, I know, and Almost Famous, um, Requiem for a Dream. These Lamenta, are all movies that right. if I had to list them out, sure, and in fact, you can go to my letterbox and they're all rated higher. Um, but I don't think that that necessarily means that I have to hate this movie just uh-huh. because it won. You know, I don't think, I think you have to kind of separate, especially when there's 14 years distance now, mm-hmm. you have to kind of separate awards season from the film, you know. And uh, that's why I would, I mean... In the way I'm talking right now, talking I, have not, I have yeah. not moved uh, yeah. past. Let's be fair. Yeah, you're talking. I have about, not moved yeah. into rewatching. Okay, but it's you're making it very hard for me to move on. I, I this is I drumming up old things that <laughs> I, I thought were buried. Yeah, no, it's I I don't need to go there because um, yeah, it it, it doesn't matter. I I feel like I've made myself and my feelings clear. Yeah, about it. Um. We should talk about rewatching then. Okay, um, we should move on. Yeah. Would you like me to start with how I felt rewatching it, or would you like to take point here? 
Um, okay. For the sake of us, for the sake of us not getting too angry at each other, right. why don't I start with okay. watching it? Because oh, I, boy. Okay. <laughs> because uh, rewatching it now, it had probably been, gosh, I think the last time I rewatched this was maybe 2005. Yeah, probably the same for me. I've seen a lot of movies since then. Um, I will admit that this movie certainly has flaws. It certainly does have flaws, mm -hmm. and we can talk about those. Um, but, you know, uh, in the line of movies like Spartacus, Ben-Hur, uh, heck, even throw it into the, the, the biblical epics, Ten Commandments, um, and uh, even all the way up to, like, Braveheart, um, this is certainly, I think, in the same camp as those, mm -hmm. and there are certainly other epics that I would not put in that camp, things like Kingdom of Heaven and Troy, um, these ones that actually came out after Gladiator, probably because of the success of Gra Gladiator. 300 is a movie I cannot stand, mm. um, and I don't think Gladiator is in that same camp as those movies that, to me, are not successful as historically as historical epics, um, and I think that... Uh, Gladiator is, it, it's, it's got plenty to chew on. I think it's got plenty of things, a lot of themes being explored that it got me thinking while I was watching it, even as I was rewatching it this time. And I okay. think it's, uh, that to me is, uh, is, is worth commending. All right. Well, we can talk about those themes later. Let me quick talk about my experience rewatching this movie. I had to check the movie out from the library twice because I had to start watching it four times because the first three times I could not stay awake. Hmm. After finishing the movie, standing up so that I didn't fall asleep, <laughs> wow. the fourth time, I couldn't remember why I got so venomously heated talking about it. Because watching it, it was boring. Oh, man. It was wow. nothing to me. Like, I watched it again and I thought, there's nothing here. I am not, I'm not excited, I am not intrigued. I am bored, and I was waiting for it to end. <laughs> I'm not asking this to be snarky, uh -huh. but how big was your TV? <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's, um, I mean, it's not huge. It's maybe I've, I've removed myself from the experience of whatever it's supposed to be, but I have seen movies. I watched All Is Lost this weekend, on the, or this week on the same TV, and I was excited the whole time. Sure. And that, I, I do think that's a movie that just knowing you is, is sort of more naturally up your alley than, right. than Gladiator would be. I Just quick uh, rundown of things, not to do them quickly so you can't respond to them, but just okay. so that I can say something more than boring. I think the fight scenes are sloppy. Uh, I think they are not purposefully chaotic. I think that they are difficult to follow and random. I think that they do a fairly good job. I The beginning, political intrigue, Richard Harris, I love his performance in the beginning. I don't hate Joaquin Phoenix's performance, but seeing where he's gone mm -hmm. since then, I was disappointed in it. You can definitely see his growth as an actor. I was interested in the politics of that. And if Maximus had never had to get revenge, which is another thing I don't love in movies, is right. the revenge plot point being a feasible... Uh, excuse for violence. Um, I thought that once they moved into the fighting, then any sort of plot was just a way to get them to move on to the next fight. 
I thought it was implausibly paced with Maximus in one fight suddenly becomes more powerful than the emperor. And I mean, I know that the movie would probably say, well, that's his power. That's the power of Maximus. But I see it's just sloppy, quick writing. Speaking of sloppy, quick writing, the script is awful. It's cringeworthy the whole time that all those lines that people love to quote. They love to quote them for a reason. Because they're just because they're they're written to be quotable, not because they mean anything. And what we, uh, you know, the, I, I read, this may be apocryphal, but I read that Russell Crowe actually hated the script and that there were so many rewrites being done well, on that's set. Well, that's true, yeah. And Russell Crowe said, this line will, these lines will work because I'm a great actor, but you're a garbage writer. And I think that's true. The only reason people quote those lines is because Russell Crowe is saying them like he believes them, but you listen to what those words are, there is nothing behind them. They're I th- empty platitudes that frat boys like to repeat to each other before they do a keg stand. Thrust this into another man's flesh. And they will applaud and love you for that. You? You may begin to love them for that. Ultimately, we're all dead men. Sadly, we cannot choose how, but we can decide how we meet that end in order that we are remembered as men. I, I think that there is plenty of a tradition in that in that genre of those ki- those type of grandstanding, you know, quote worthy quote, just lines that that make the movie. Spartacus is I am Spartacus. That is totally Braveheart. Different. Braveheart's, uh, you know, every man dies, not every man really lives. You that know? means something though. And how do these not? The are you not okay? Are you not entertained? You want to go? You want to talk about that one? Sure, let's talk about that. I think that. that's a fascinating thing to look into in that movie. Go, go for it. Okay, look into it. <laughs> I think that there, are, and and I I think that the movie starts out stronger than it ends. It it gradually starts to weaken. I will give you that. I yeah. think it it starts out with a lot of interesting ideas, and some one of those actually was you could see this almost a disillusionment with. Um, with the empire or with nationalism, we'll just say that 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 as Maximus, well, with the emperor for sure too. The emperor, but mostly what the emperor was saying, yeah. uh, he's becoming disillusioned by this idea that the empire um, is about expansion and power. Right, and- exactly. And so I think it's very clear whether you think that's sloppy or not. It's very clear that there's an analogy being made between Rome. Rome is America in mm. this, mm-hmm. and. There's a lot of things being said about the, the idea of Rome and, and, and the idea being more about representative government. So that's basically the idea of uh, the revolutionaries of America, you know, uh-huh. and that America is an idea, just as Rome is an idea. And as things have gotten sloppier politically and as there's been more power plays and there's been more of a sort of move towards tyranny and dictatorship mm-hmm. and imperialism, um, that... Russell Crowe, who's kind of just been a player in that as a soldier, an impartial player as he sees it, mm-hmm. he just does what the empire tells him to do, what the emperor tells him to do, um, that there's a disillusionment there. I don't think the movie follows that through very well, and that's a weakness of the movie. And that's what I was saying. But, Up until that point where Richard Harris dies, I was with the movie. <laughs> that's pretty early on. <laughs> it's very early on. <laughs> but 
then I think um, there's an also with that an interesting idea, and I know that this is sort of what drew Ridley Scott to the idea is looking at um, the the role of uh, in this in this case it's gladiators, but I think that there's also a comparison, and I think Jay Z would agree with me in the Black <laughs> Album that we're looking at the power of athleticism, competition, and celebrity, and what that there's a tricky and violence and violence true that there's a tricky relationship between that more theatrical display of athleticism and um, a tricky relationship with uh, with that and the political realities of a nation okay i was watching this thinking this is this is like putin and sochi putin is commodus and i mean or or uh you know the nazis getting the olympics in in Mm -hmm. 1936 that this is it's in the movie that basically he is using game and games as a way of distracting the people from the brutal political realities. And that um, Maximus has in both roles in one, in one sense, he's a general and he's just a soldier. And in the other sense, he's uh, what we might consider today because we don't have the blood sport of gladiator competition mm-hmm. um that but we do have the, the blood sport of the oh, movie gladiator we do have the, and movies like it we do have the who the, we will do, depict va- violence while saying oh but that's just to condemn violence we'll get to that later we will i'm gonna finish my point here though go for it sorry <laughs> in this sense russell crowe uh, in 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 the role as gladiator, he's sort of standing in as what we might call today's athletes. We're almost sacrificing these people up and sacrificing their bodies for entertainment, um, and especially with uh, things like competition and sports, that there's a tribalism that is natural to competition, and that sometimes politics and political people, politicians, can use that to kind of blind the people to what's really happening and make them sort of blindly have allegiance towards an empire or a nation. I mean, look at what the Chinese Olympics, the opening ceremonies were all about. Look at what China is. Look at what a great nation this is built around sports, Mm -hmm. built around competition. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is a movie that is trying to say some interesting things about that. Now, whether it succeeds fully or not, we can debate that. Yeah. But I don't think I've ever seen that. There are some themes going on here in this epic film that I do not see in other epic films. And there are some similar ones. I mean, uh, you've got the themes of uh, personal freedom and uh, slavery. That's a common theme, uh, whether it's Braveheart and overcoming uh, the the British Empire, mm-hmm. or whether it's Spartacus and he wants to be, uh, he's he's sort of fighting for the freedom of the slaves in the Roman Empire, mm-hmm. or, or even Ten Commandments, where you have, um, you know, M- Moses being someone who was an insider, exiled, coming back to free his people or the slaves. Mm-hmm. Um, those are all themes that are in Gladiator already. In fact, it's kind of like a melting pot of these themes, which in a way kind of makes it sloppy. I'll give you that. Yeah. Um, but there's a reason why it starts with him being a general, and it starts with the armies, and it starts with the soldier, and then moves into uh, the gladiatorial combat, which is not in Spartacus. Spartacus, he's a slave. He's always been a right. slave, and he moves into gladiator. He's got to be trained to be a gladiator. Games. 150 days of games. He's cleverer than I thought. Clever. The whole of Rome would be laughing at him. They weren't so afraid of his Praetorian. Fear and wonder, a powerful combination. 
You really think that people are going to be seduced by that? I think he knows what Rome is. Rome is the mob. You conjure magic for them and they'll be distracted. You take away their freedom and still they'll roar. The beating heart of Rome is not the marble of the Senate. It's the sand of the Colosseum. You bring them death. And they will love him for it. Yeah. I think that that is, whether it succeeds on all those levels, I think it's an interesting thing that the film's trying to do. All right, yeah, I, I mean, I will give you that, that that is an interesting theme. It's not one that I picked up on. Um, doesn't mean it's not present, obviously. It is It is interesting. It's It's also interesting that the, the examples, aside from the Nazis, of the Sochi Olympics and the China Olympics that came after Gladiator. I don't know if that means the movie is prescient or... <laughs> it's ahead of its time, timeless. really. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um and it's something interesting. I just, I don't feel like, I, I did not, when I saw that, I did not pick up on that as a main theme. I will grant you that that is probably, that is a theme of the movie and that it addresses it. Um, I feel like it didn't, like I was saying that I was intrigued by the story in the beginning. I think it, I would have enjoyed it more if it had explored that rather than spending so much more time on fighting and violence because that was one of the themes that I picked up on, especially the, are you not entertained? That sort of thing that like Maximus starts off not fighting back in his training, uh, training scene, which I thought was kind of a silly scene in and of itself. And then he all of a sudden is okay. Just killing everybody. I know he's preserving his life, but it, the movie seems so uh, confused as to what it's trying to say about violence or about, that sort of thing. There's never any point where we're supposed to mourn for people who are dying in the pit. They're all wearing masks. They're all these faceless things. The, the movie really does not take any pains to address the issue of violence other than saying, if somebody were to say that's too violent, well, that's the point. Like, I, I don't think that it does anything to show the difficulty, the danger, like the, um, the awfulness of the violence. We're just afraid that Maximus will die. But if he kills all these people in the pit, well, that's totally fine. I, I'm not excusing this, but I, I think that there are a lot of examples of movies that don't spend a lot of time talking about the problem of violence. And, you know, uh, we could certainly talk, I, I know we could in our future episodes talk about Quentin Tarantino as sure. a great place for us to talk a lot about violence and yeah. what you, what is a director's responsibility in handling violence. Um, I think personally that there is a, a motive, uh, and it's, it's not confused to me. It's very obvious, uh, when Proximo basically tells him, um, the way that you win the crowd is by basically playing up the violence. You ask me what I want. I too want to stand in front of the Emperor. As you did. And listen to me. Learn from me. I wasn't the best because I killed quickly. I was the best because the crowd loved me. Win the crowd and you'll win your freedom. I will win the crowd. I will give them something they've never seen before. <laughs> so, Spaniard, we shall go Now, that's, you know from the, from the moment that his family is murdered, Maximus's family is murdered, 
that there's going to be a motive of revenge. And we can talk about whether that's a good motive or not. I have a feeling you don't think it's a very good motive. I don't. I, I, also, that, I, dislike, I, also, I also struggle with that. I dislike okay. the fact that his wife and child are introduced into the story only to be killed. That is why they're there. Yeah, I mean... Um, to be killed and to be a revenge plot point. Sure, I guess. But I mean, that's kind of, um, you know, that... That's also the same thing that happens in Braveheart too. I don't. I don't think you've seen which I have not you seen, seen, seen no. Braveheart, but I it, don't know how much I'd like it. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> uh, I, I still. I think Braveheart's a better movie than Gladiator, but that's that's a separate that's a separate topic. But um, I think that once Maximus realizes that in order to do what he needs, what he wants to do, which is to really get to Commodus. Mm-hmm. The only way to do that is going to be to win over the crowd. The only way to do that in gladiator competition is to really play up the violence and kind of play up the theatrics of it all. And I think that that scene that you're talking about that you are not, are you not entertained scene, that to me is just kind of his Spartacus moment. I mean, they have an Mm. almost identical moment in Spartacus. um, This movie has a lot of identical movie (laughs) moments to other movies. It's very derivative. Especially. To Spartacus, to Um, Saving Private Ryan. I I found it very derivative. that, That one is his, his, moment of sort of doing what what spartacus spends most of the time talking about which is this idea of uh you know the ruling class uh taking a slave yeah. and putting pitting them against each other for their own entertainment and, yeah. and the problem with that and mm-hmm. um that's that moment but then once he realizes that he's in this position he really needs to get to commodus and the way to do that is to play up the violence that to me kind of explains a lot of it you were talking about the fight scenes being sloppy and 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 you didn't think that they were done very well. Um, any any chaotic piece of that is is not what you thought was. What, I forget what you said that it wasn't intentional. It was just sloppy. Um, right, I, that's how I perceived it. You know, I, I I do not agree. I think that there's a reason why you Ridley Scott is trying to get you to be in that ring because he doesn't want you to play the audience member in those scenes. Mm. He doesn't want you to play the people who are in the crowd enjoying this violence. Mm. To me, he's in there and he wants you to sort of, if you are cheering, it's not because of the violence and the entertainment of the violence, it's because of the survival aspect. You're cheering Mm. because your protagonist is surviving. Now, he's surviving by killing other people and he's doing it because he has to in an entertaining way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you're entertained by that, uh, I will admit that's sort of one of the things that I think a lot of people mistakenly get out of that movie. And maybe Ridley Scott doesn't do a very good job of making that obvious enough. Mm-hmm. But to me, if you look at like the chariot race in Ben-Hur or a lot of these other sort of um, arena type of things, they're constantly doing the pullback shot of the audience. Right. The pullback shot where you're scope. to get that scope. If you get any audience scene whatsoever in Gladiator, it's close-ups of Commodus and of I, I don't know the guy's name, but he's that makeup dude that sort of plays yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. you know the the, the, the or theater aspect of it, right. and they're making silly, stupid, goofy faces mm-hmm. as a way of almost saying that this is this is not something to be in, enjoyed. Look at the villain here is enjoying it. Do you want to be like him? No, you don't want to be like him. Right. You want to be with Maximus, and you want to be in there, and you want to root for him as surviving this, not necessarily as how much blood can he possibly shed. Okay, that's my interpretation of it. And then and even going so far as if we go to the technical aspects, I think that's an interesting, the, the, the use of like handheld cameras in that type of environment mm-hmm. uh, is an interesting technique that I don't know if it had really been used in a historical epic up until that point. Um, you know, if you look at the battle scenes in Braveheart, which is, I believe, five, five. years earlier, 
you're not going to see that kind of sh that kind of shot in those battle scenes. You're still going to see very much the tracking shots or the sort of um, very if there is any camera movement, it's very smooth. Um, yeah. And here it's chaotic. It's it's very much uh, Ridley Scott trying to get you to be feel like you are in there with them. Right. Solidarity with the gladiators. Again, I'll say that's a little derivative of Saving Private Ryan. Sure. Which just before then had done that. But I don't, you know, to to reuse a shot, I don't know if you would, I mean, that's, well, I don't know if you can say it's derivative. I don't want to I mean, derail your just... point because I think you are making a good point and it's one that I hadn't necessarily seen and is uh, was probably... Um, kept from me because I'm not so generous in my reading of the film, but I can see what you're saying now um, about that. They are doing some work to make a point about the violence. Well, they have to address the violence. And to me, that's how I interpret the violence. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I will uh, concede that that is a fine way to read the violence. You I know, will con I have to say though, that in, even in light of that, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not entertained. So I, I, I wasn't saying that, um, Ridley Scott using handheld film or handheld uh, camera work in and of itself was derivative of Saving Private Ryan. But I found that the way he paced things, the build up to the original battle, the build up to his first gladiatorial fight, both mimicked very closely the opening scenes of Saving Private Ryan, where including, you know, standing nervously packed together, one gladiator urinates himself. Um, then the view from the gladiator's point of view with the light and the danger, and then the doors open and immediately people are killed. I mean, the pacing, everything about it was very close to Saving Private Ryan. The slow shutter speed, whatever, that's sort of a, a technique that was of the time. It's that sort of right. choppy look. I know, yeah, like, it, it doesn't hold it really that very ages well. ages the movie. The, right. mo the first battle scene is so weirdly slow motion. Like, I thought the movie looked very dated and didn't hold up as well as far as visual style goes. He's applying it in a historical epic, which I think is an interesting choice for taking that and putting it into a genre you wouldn't normally maybe put it in exactly. You're discounting but, Saving Private Ryan as a historical epic, you're saying? No, I mean, I'm saying maybe Saving Private Ryan did it first. I feel like it did um, because a big, uh, big um, emphasis back then was on how he modeled it after wartime photography. And okay. that a lot of the, the scenes had that photographer in the trenches look as uh, instead of the epic scope of the battle, like you're saying Braveheart or other things that would have liked to back up and show the battle from a macro level, individual people. Um, I just remember Saving Private Ryan being talked about as being one of those first that really put you right there. Right. Um, with the bullets flying around and all that stuff. Um, I think it's, I, I think it's an interesting choice to apply that to an ancient movie so you see it as an interesting choice to take i'm not saying it's the first time it's done <laughs> I, I, but... I i think that it hasn't been around long enough for it to be a trope that you're um applying uh innovatively i i just took it as rip off the pacing that steven spielberg used that to great effect to genuinely uh drum up emotion from these men that we had never met before. I mean, it's the opening of the movie. We don't know anything about them and already we're terrified for them. And I feel like Ridley Scott was using, hey, remember how you felt during Saving Private Ryan? Feel that way about these guys. Uh, I didn't even think about Saving Private Ryan at all. Oh, and I I've seen both movies. I couldn't but, stop uh, thinking about really? Saving Private Ryan. I kept wanting to put Saving <laughs> Private <laughs> Ryan on. <laughs> but you don't think that if someone creates a, a, 
an interesting way to use the camera that it can't be applied in later movies. I'm without... fine with that. I'm fine. He used. I would love to see a side by side of the the timing. Like I feel like he just mimicked it. To me, it felt like it was uh, a very simple way to use what had worked and just cut and paste, rather than using somebody else's innovation in a new way, which I'm fine with. I am fine with people doing that. I, okay. So I, I'm sorry. I feel like I've been doing nothing but spouting things that I dislike about this movie um, it, and not giving you a chance to tell me things that you dislike about <laughs> the movie. Because from what it sounds like, you think this is a flawless movie. Is there anything about this movie that you, I mean, uh, you did say earlier that you think there are flaws, but I haven't heard them. Well, I, I kind of mentioned that I think uh, one of the big flaws is that in the process of throwing out so many themes, I don't think they really do justice to a lot of them. Mm. Nowhere is that even more obvious than in the ending, which mm. um, mm -hmm. I think it's a little bit of a cliche ending. I'll give it that. Um, there were a lot of really interesting themes that they could have carried a lot further, and instead they sort of switched over into this Christ figure kind yeah. of thing. Very lazy. It, <laughs> You know, like I said, this is not one of my all-time favorite movies. And if anything, I think it would almost fall into this camp of um, what we might call in other mediums a guilty pleasure. Uh, mm -hmm. But I don't believe in guilty pleasures. I believe sure. if you actually do have something you feel is a guilty pleasure, you need to dig into why you actually like it. Yeah, I feel I like I've you, done that. You have done that. You've um, done that very well. But I think I can legitimately say that I am not a fan of the ending of the movie because it, it really sort of all of a sudden makes it makes Maximus into this Christ figure. And it gets so obvious to the point where you have uh, Juba, the black gladiator, who is obviously supposed to stand in for slavery in general. Right, right. And his sort of last line of talking about how, um, well, basically saying that he had to die to defeat evil. So yeah, that others yeah. could be free, and and but we will see him again. I mean, if you're if that's not yeah. the most overt Christ imagery, and it didn't need to be there. I mean, they could have they could have ended it. <laughs> it a was obvious <laughs> enough without him. This saying was that. basically Christ against Satan. He had to die so yep. that others could be free. This right. this this Juba character, because yeah. basically his last dying wish is to free his men, which are the gladiators. Right. And yeah. It, it, that is uh, something I'm very disappointed in. I don't want to linger too much on that, though, because I kind of feel like this is a, a really good, fun, epic movie with some other stuff to think about. I wish I could say that you've made me want to see it again, but that'll only happen if I'm having trouble sleeping. You have definitely uh, changed my mind about some things about the violence. I think that your reading of it does give the, the movie a lot more credit to how it handles the violence, and I was not being generous with my interpretation of it. Um, but for me, I, I just, I can still be your friend, but I, I cannot change, I, I can't change my vote from uh, not a fan. In this case, the people tend to speak with mm -hmm. me. I think I have the mob on do this you? one. I think I do. You've won um, the crowd. I've won the crowd. Fantastic. And, and so I'm going to actually, if you go to our website, canwestillbefriends.net, you can, um, we'll have another poll up next time for the next episode. But always we have up there where you can say whether you think uh, you love the film, you like the film, or you're not a fan. And uh, obviously we know that we know where Ryan stands on that. <laughs> we do, yeah. And 
Don't be afraid to visit our website after the episode is aired to weigh in on the film. We would love to hear you in the comments section of each episode. Let us know if you agree with us. Uh, raise some interesting points. We would love to interact with you guys there. Follow us on Twitter as well. Yes, anytime. Let us know what you think of what's going on with this movie. What did you think of Gladiator? Uh, we want to know, and you can even give us a call if you want. Yeah, 847-306-9532 if you feel like your angry screams can't be conveyed in a comments section, go ahead and scream into your phone at Nate or me. But Nate, how did the poll shake out? I would say overwhelmingly, uh, the people like this movie. Do they? The people have spoken. Uh, the, the Can We Still Be Friends people sure. have spoken. And 57%, that's more than half. That is. Well, more than half, uh, like this movie. Okay. Uh, we had... Uh, we had 19% uh, love this movie. Okay. Okay. And it was 24%, so not quite a quarter of our, mm. uh, our, of our polling population were not a fan of this movie or, or did disliked this movie. Interesting. I'm actually surprised there aren't more love it. Really? To be honest. Yeah. Well, this is our audience. That's true. And I, and I do think that Gladiator is a movie that, uh, especially um, for people who really watch a lot of movies and um, think on a very critic think very critically about what they're viewing right gladiator does tend to be a movie that uh, the flaws become kind of apparent i mean i was in the like it mm -hmm. camp i think it's fine if you love this movie though i don't think there's anything wrong with loving this movie i, I think you're, well well obviously you do but you hate our fans so. I, I don't i don't i don't hate our fans um but i i would love to hear what fans think after rewatching it. Well, so it looks like uh, this might be our first episode where we we really we can't seem to come to much of an agreement on this. Can I at least say that? Would you be willing to bump this up from? You still despise this movie, don't you? No, I don't. Okay, I, I, maybe worse. I I barely acknowledge this movie. Like I don't even think it's worth drumming up hatred for anymore. <laughs> It's, it's, I think that was a younger, a younger, more energetic me that was able to muster up so much vitriol against this movie, and now I just want to go to bed. It seems like you've come, uh, come to some sort of acceptance at this point. Uh, in, yeah, in your, oh, I, in, I have, I have, I've come to accept that I don't like Gladiator, and some people do. And Nate, you, I will, I, if there's any agreement we can come to, you've made some very good points, points that I would not uh, have uh, thought of. We don't have to come to a homogenous opinion. Yes. Uh, but a better understanding is all we can ask for. Yeah. And we can shake hands on that. Yes, we can. But we won't literally, because Nate's a germaphobe and <laughs> I'm dirty. Anyway, folks, find us on Twitter at uh, CWSBF and uh, like us on Facebook. It's Can We Still Be Friends podcast on Facebook. All these links are on our website, canwestillbefriends.net. We're asking a lot of you, rate us on iTunes, leave a comment. Um, Ryan, do you want to tell us what we're going to be talking about in the next episode? What film we're going to be discussing? Yeah, and I'm actually I'm excited about this one because it's one I haven't seen in a while. I think you're excited about watching it, and I, I would imagine that a lot of our listeners haven't actually seen this movie. So we're definitely encouraging you to watch this one with us. Uh, we're going to be watching All About Eve, which is a classic movie, um, usually listed as one of the greats. Yep. Um, but it's one of those ones that not a lot of people have seen so please watch that and visit us on the website again to tell us whether you liked yep, it we'll have to pull up and you can go on there and weigh in on that before the episode for sure exactly so i'm looking forward to watching that one i hope you are too maybe not as much but <laughs> it will be one worth revisiting sure all right until next time uh, thanks for listening